Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. I'm super excited for today's episode, you guys. Wow. It's great to have a it's great to bring a guest back on the show. It's been a couple months. We've been doing solo episodes, which I've loved promoting the book and all of that. But I'm really excited to bring in some new perspectives, bring back different people, and uh, inspire you guys the best way we know how. So before we get into today's guest, I want to say thank you to everybody that supported me and my new book launch so far, Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within, Turn Your Biggest Struggle into Your Greatest Gifts. I've gotten so much support, so many people messaging me saying it's impacted them. They love the book. They're buying it for their, their, their son or their, their, their teenager or whatever else. And that's like music to my ears. That's really what it's all about. So I just want to say thank you and all the support. I just really appreciate it. The book is available on Amazon in all shape, size, shapes and forms and sizes, Kindle, paperback and hardcover. It's all available below in the show notes or show description. All right. So thank you so much for that. Today's guest, we have Mark Groves joining us. Mark Groves is a human connection specialist. He's the host of the Mark Groves podcast. He's the co-founder of Do You Mind and the creator of Create the Love Cards. He's also got an amazing Instagram account that I've personally been following since uh, probably 2018 called Create the Love with over a million followers, where he breaks down all kinds of things about relationships, psychology relationships, and human connection. Now, this guy has been somebody that I've admired for a while. Pre-COVID, I admired him for all of his relationship and human connection stuff. And then during COVID, he was somebody that stood up and started to speak out against things that didn't make sense. And he started to talk about things and started to bring up points that a lot of us were thinking. And he's able to articulate, articulate it very well. Now, he took a lot of heat, a lot of shit for this. But as we know, sometimes we need to weed out the people that aren't part of our tribe to call in people that are. And he's been able to build an even bigger tribe for speaking in truth. He's one of the... He's one of the main warriors of today speaking truth. And I really admire this guy a lot. You know why? Is because he knows what he's talking about. He's been on the other side of this pharmaceutical industry. He started out in tech sales, then finance, then marketing. And then he was in pharmaceutical sales, pushing this stuff on people. Like he understands the psychology of it. He understands what what it's all about on the other side. And if you've ever listened to anybody in pharmaceutical sales talk about it, you learn a lot about how it works. So he's not just somebody that speaks out about things that he doesn't know out of emotion because it, it, he, he feels bad and he just wants to speak out. No, he knows how it works. He knows how, how these doctors and these pharmaceutical companies push these products on people. Okay. So that's why I admire him because he he's educated in this stuff. So Today's episode, I wanted to make sure we talked about different things. I wanted to cover the relationship stuff, but I also wanted to talk about his journey through truth 
and having to speak up and having to take um, a lot of heat along the way. So we do talk about a lot of the, the stuff going on in the world with COVID and his journey through that. And it's a really fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. And then I made sure to ask some questions and talk about things about relationships that I think you guys will find very useful as well. So listen to this right till the end. Like I said, um, I've mentioned before, I don't talk about the COVID stuff too often anymore. Um, I like to you know talk about other things, but um, this is this is a guy that I really wanted to uh, I wanted to share his perspective with all of you that haven't heard it because I think it's going to really educate you, and um, you're gonna f- I think you're gonna feel better after and feel better for it because this guy is all about truth and. At the end of the day, isn't all that what matters? That's that's really, I do my best to be in truth as much as I can in all areas. And I like to bring these people into not only my life, but into the show and share this truth with you guys. So anyways, that's enough for me. If you guys do get value from this episode, share it with somebody who need it, who needs it. And if you would like to give back to the show, we're always appreciative if you give the show a five-star review on Apple really helps grows the awareness of the show and yeah. Love you guys. Enjoy the episode. Mark Groves coming right up. Mark, welcome to the show, brother. Good to have you on. Yeah. So excited to be here. Me too, man. I've, you know, I've followed your work for a few years now and it's been really interesting to kind of, you know, following you before, and all your relationship advice and create the love and just that side. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I remember people being like, Oh, you got to get Mark on the show, blah, 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 blah. And I was, I had a feeling, you know, we're both from Vancouver and I was like, we'll, we'll connect, we'll connect at some point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of watching, you know, the evolution of what's going on in the world. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start to speak up about things and it's kind of like, Oh shit. Like this guy is like, you know, you start to see a different side, which I was really, I really respected because, you know, somebody like you with what you were creating, what you're doing, it's a ballsy move. I mean, you have, there's, there's a lot to lose just like our mutual friend, Kid Carson, right? Like to, to stop, to start speaking up about shit, it takes a lot of courage and I admire you for that. So I guess where I want to start with this, bro, is like, at what point of the craziness were you like, okay, I got to fucking say something because, you know, there, there's times where we're like, do I want to go there? Do I want to, yeah, like, you know, at, at what point was that for you where you're like, all right, I got to, I got to say something here. Yeah. You know, my journey to waking up and in the pandemic, which I think really that term, like waking up, awakening, it is really where we're just actually willing to take pause and ask questions. Yeah. Why do I do this? Is this appropriate? It's really discernment. And, you know, to give some background, I was a pharmaceutical rep actually for 14 years. So I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. I was in sales. I launched products. I took products off the market that needed to be taken off. So I probably launched four products. So I'm pretty familiar with how do you launch them? How do you, and that just 
comes into play later in this part, in this, in this sort of unfolding. You know, at the beginning, I was like everybody else. I saw videos of people falling on their face in China. And I thought, wow, I don't want to get this. Okay, I'm ready to take in more information. I was experienced anxiety and fear like everybody else, I'm sure. And then as it came into Canada and the United States, I started to think like, wow, they're not falling on their face. That's weird. So it's not like it was presented. And I actually did a podcast and interviewed my friend who's a physician in New York. And he talked about COVID and how it, you know, and what you need to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I was very much like, I've, I've had every vaccine in my life. You know, I was, I never had actually looked into that science yet. This forced me to look into all that science. So I have a background. I'm trained in, the, I have the ability to read clinical trials. So when the vaccine came, when the studies were released, I read the studies and I was like, oh, that's interesting that they're not using it to prevent, like they're not measuring if it prevents transmission, but they're talking about herd immunity. Well, you can't get herd immunity unless you prevent transmission but it's not an endpoint in the trials. That was just like a little orange flag for me. The amount of fear they were perpetuating was also a bit of an orange flag for me. And the fact that they used the PCR test was also a flag for me because I used to sell a product that used the PCR test. And I knew you couldn't use it for diagnostic purposes because it doesn't measure whether a virus is active. It just measures the amount, but you have, anyways, it's like, it's, anyone can go look up how it works, but it's a red flag if you understand it. So all of that, it was probably when, when they started to use fear to get everyone to take it. It was when Justin Trudeau first said, Canada's a country that would never have anybody with a vaccine passport. And things, honestly, like someone told me, oh, there's going to be quarantine hotels. And I was like, nah, Canada would never do that. Well, fast forward six months later. So my whole naive view of the Canadian government, my positive orientation and assumption of them was all shattered. I really saw the exploitation of fear and that really is what scared me. I saw that people weren't able to have a conversation. I remember when they said, hey, if you're pregnant, you should get this. And I was like, where's the data for that? That doesn't make sense to me. So I spoke out about that. I got, I got hammered, lots of pushback. And I'm like, wow, people, are so afraid that they'd rather quell my hesitancy than actually explore whether this thing might not save them. So, I mean, having studied relationships and, you know, having knowledge about abusive relationships, manipulation, gaslighting, all that stuff, I just started to see the government doing that. I started to see the media doing that. And, you know, do it. Did I want to have to speak up? Of course not. It would have been easier just to shut the fuck up and go about my business. But that's how, that's how countries fall in history. That's how, and that might sound dramatic. It's like when someone compares what's going on to World War II and they say, well, that's disrespectful of Jews. And I'm like, wait, we're not saying, it's not minimizing the experience of such an awful time in history. It's just saying, hey, there's some patterns that look similar to the propaganda and hate and fear that was created about Jews that is similar to unvaccinated people. It's not the same. So it quells discussion and it doesn't allow us, you know, they say the purpose of studying history is so we don't repeat it. But I've, I, what I've found really fascinating is the government and public health and media 
have done, and social media, have done are doing a collective effort mm -hmm. to make sure that any hesitancy or any criticism is seen as anti, and they'll even go to say terrorism, domestic terrorism. I mean, to me, all of that is just, it makes my nervous system anxious, you know, because I'm like, wow, like, what am I watching? I feel like I'm in a movie, mm. you know, that might all sound dramatic, but shit, it's how I Dude, felt for the past couple of years. There's so, man, I, I still, I can't believe that we accepted that they lied straight up to us about things and then nobody said anything about nobody is saying any questioning that they literally lied like it's it stopped okay. transmission no it doesn't it's never right. shown that in a clinical trial it might have done it a little bit at the beginning it also does prevent serious illness in specific groups but and that might be on its way out too who knows what's going on with that data because it's getting less and less like it started out with one and done then it's yeah. two and done. And then it's, wait, you're going to have to get this every three months. Wait, after a month, it actually wanes quite a bit. Wait, the risks associated with are high. Wait, maybe pregnant women shouldn't take it. Wait, and you're like, if you were hesitant in taking this intervention, that's actually just a natural human response. And what I found fascinating is we were making people feel crazy for being hesitant to take a product that is still experimental. and. You know, the shift in Justin Trudeau's voice when he started, did the snap election and he ran on the premise of unvaccinated people will not be allowed to fly train, plane, bus, get on a train, plane, bus. That became his platform because he obviously pulled and figured he might win a majority with that because his tone completely changed. Mm -hmm. Everything about him completely changed. And that's when I was like, oh shit, like we're in for some stuff like this is this is actually wild they're gonna not let us fly even though it doesn't prevent transmission but you know that that thing where they say hey wear a mask when you go in a restaurant but when you sit down take it off mm. right okay so what happens though is that we go okay well that doesn't actually make sense mm. and then the response but you'll notice that there's always exact responses because they're in the media and they're like marketing messages that we used to have in pharma. When I sold a product, we'd get an objection handler. That objection handler would have the most common objections that you would get. So one common objection you'd get about the vaccine is it doesn't have any long-term data, right? That's a pretty standard one. You would hear almost everyone say, actually, these vaccines have been around for a while. They've been studied. And it was exactly like the objection handlers we were handed as pharma reps where we were trained on how to reply to the most common objections. Use this study, use this statement, make sure you use these words. And I started to see that people were like little mini pharma reps. And in watching the way that language continued to be used, I could start to see even studying, you know, like Br Brene Brown talks about how division always begins with language because as humans, we can't harm people who we see like us. And so what we do is we use language to dehumanize. And what it does is if this was my circle of what I trust, the language pushes them out of the circle. And then what it allows me to do from a biological and psychological perspective is actually be open to harming them. And we saw that in the perpetuation of the media messages. We heard Biden say, for the unvaccinated, it's going to be a winter of death. You know, and you're like, what the yeah. fuck is happening? I don't know. 
Yeah. Still feel like we're in a movie. Man, it's interesting because if you you worked in that industry, so you understand more than most on how it works. So you must have just, that's interesting because I, I didn't know that you were that deep into that industry because that must have really been, you must have been like, what the fuck is going on here? Because you're used to that with the drugs going out and just like the language. And it's interesting because, yeah. I mean, that must have just like, yeah, I mean, I even there's so many drugs out there, even when I was an athlete like that, that they would give out like Vioxx and this other kind of stuff for like pain. And it was just like, yeah. And it was just pushed. And it's interesting that they, that they had like something that you'd say for the pushback. So it must've just been like, what? Like that must've been a very interesting way of kind of going into this vaccine situation because you had already understood how that whole game works already. You like yeah. you know more than most. Well, if anyone's watched Dope Sick, I mean that kind of plays it out. You know, I if you've ever studied cholesterol and yeah. how cholesterol works, you realize that it's been a sham. The majority yeah. of all, the information about that was actually one of the first when I was I was as a when I was an oncology and hematology rep at the end of my career. You know, it just the work being in that industry, it just didn't make sense for me anymore. Because when I started to study relationships, I'm like, wait, emotional dysregulation causes inflammation. Inflammation is really one of the cornerstones of most disease, including gut dysbiosis and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I just can't be in this space anymore because we're dealing with symptoms, not causes. And when I, I remember going to the doctor and them, them being like, oh, you have elevated cholesterol. It's a little high. And I was like, hmm. Didn't ask me about what I was eating. Didn't ask any of that. Just said he was going to refer me to a lipid clinic. I'm like, all right, well, we're getting a little aggressive here. You don't know that I've been hammering bulletproof coffees and also eating high carbohydrates, which is not a great combination. Anyways, I then went into the data on cholesterol. I went deep into it and I was like, holy shit, this has all been a lie. Yeah. And that really shattered sort of the paradigm of the work I was in. I was like, oh, wait. We're just like little propaganda machines. And when you launch product as a rep, I worked in specialty medicines for the last 10 years of my career, which means I worked in hospitals and with specialists. And when you launch a drug, you do key opinion leader development, which means that you take doctors who are significant, impactful in their field, and you train them. You train them with the company. You maybe work with them more specifically as a rep. You teach them about the trials. Often some of them are actually participants like managing clinical trial sites. So I started to see that too. Like you'd see certain physicians in positions on the news. You'd never see anyone with a critical thought. I saw the Great Barrington Declaration, Jay Bhattacharya and Martin Koldorf and Dr. Gupta. These are like Oxford, Harvard, and Stanford. Mm. Historically, if I said, hey, I have some epidemiologists, public health experts that aren't really sure about this. Where are they from? They're from Harvard, Oxford, Stanford. Oh, Lord, that's like a academic boner. Yeah, I get it. I'll listen to them. But what you saw, and I heard Dr. Julie Panessi talk about this, that this is the first time in history that we know that no longer was your credentials about where you went to school or what you studied or what you were good at. It was actually about whether you agree with the narrative. 
And so it's been, a, I think for people who have felt like they're going crazy, which I think is a lot of people, you're not going crazy. You're just being totally gaslit and totally manipulated. And that thing about the mass is psychologically really important. Some people say it's like a sign of compliance. That might be getting too deep, but although that certainly is true, no matter how much data someone's presented about mass, you can tell it's sort of become a religion because you could totally show them a study that's better quality than the one the government uses that says mass don't work or surgical masks don't work or whatever it is. I'm not claiming any data right now, but I'm saying you could show that to them and they'll still be like, wear your N95, wear this. Every layer helps. You hear all the messages. They're all stay six feet apart. Do your part, which also infers belonging. And if you don't do it, you're not a good person. We started to moralize public health and the mask thing, just to finish my long tirade, sorry, is that it doesn't make sense. So you go into a restaurant, you take your mask off when you sit down. When you go to the bathroom, you have to wear it because, you know, it makes sense again. And some people will say, well, we just got to do that to keep restaurants open. I totally hear that. I have lots of friends who worked at restaurants, have restaurants. Mm -hmm. Some of those restaurants no longer exist. I get it. And then we'd go, just do your part. No. Because the moment you say yes to things that don't make sense, you actually start to desensitize yourself to things that don't make sense. And so what it really is, is mission creep, which is that they start with that and then it keeps moving to other things that don't make sense. Just wear masks when you're, when you're standing. Just do this, just do that. Why aren't we worried about calculating the actual accuracy of which if someone died from COVID or with the COVID? That to me was another red flag. Mm. Why wouldn't, if we're in a public health emergency, wouldn't we want to be certain? Yeah. Like that to me again was like, sorry. There's so I'm many, man. there's so many inconsistencies. There's so many inconsistencies across the whole thing that it almost is if we all start to question our own, like our own sanity, like anything that we've learned up until this point, it's like, oh no, that, that doesn't, that doesn't apply right. here. You're like, right. what do you mean? It doesn't like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like there's times I was just like, am I creating this? Like I'm looking on my phone and I'm like, right. am I actually creating this right now? Am I in a fucking video game? Cause it, it, it's gotten so ridiculous. And, and it's gotten walk, so ridiculous. People walking around, there's those memes of like, the best right in the beginning where people are wearing like fucking Halloween costumes and whatever else trying to cover them, their, their faces in these big gloves. And it's just like, how did, how did we get, like, how did they get there? How did we actually, it's interesting to me. Like it, it blows my Very mind because psychologically, I, I never would have thought, and you know, you bring up Canada and what's happened. I would have never thought, I lived in Australia for five years and they're like the, their most rebellious country. You know, that's what I thought. And for what happened there, I was just blown away. And I'm like, man, if that happens there, like, what the fuck? Like, how is this? Like, I'm still shocked. And even talking about it, I know I talk about it less and less now, but it's like, it still blows my mind. And I've always appreciated blows my mind your perspective on like how you explain it as well because you you have an ability to really like you don't do it in a way that's like from this conspiracy side but you 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 have the way you make it 
it makes sense. And that's why I think people can really resonate with how you say it. And you have a background in this stuff. So, and also knowing about gaslighting, this is another thing that I find interesting is that how, like, how did that, your background in relationships and knowing behaviors, like how, how has that helped you in like moving forward and actually helping people realize what's going on? Mm. I mean, it's been hard because the things not making sense, the intention of that is to destabilize you. You know, you think politicians use things like doublespeak all the time. And certainly Trudeau has done that, you know, and I'm, I'm sure anyone listening from anywhere in the world can think of a politician that has said, hey, you're not allowed to protest for freedom. And actually everyone's a racist, a misogynist. And a, that was really brilliant too, from a psychological perspective, because what he did was it kind of was in passing, you know, he wasn't activated when he did it. And he said, you know, there's this small fringe group, they're anti-science. So anybody who's not, doesn't want to get it is anti-science, which and is racist. true. And racist. And, and, yeah, and the racist, misogynist. And what that did, I was talking before how it pushes people out of the circle. That's using language to say, well, we already don't tolerate misogynists and racists. So now these other people psychologically and unconsciously to anyone hearing that have been associated with these groups. So now we're more willing to do the things we would do to racists and misogynists. Honestly, it was really brilliant. And, and but absolutely destructive for the people who were just hesitant. Like, that's the thing. You couldn't have a healthy, if someone was prescribed a birth control pill, mm -hmm. which that's a whole other can of worms, but they were prescribed it and they were said, hey, you know, I got this prescription. I went and looked it up. I'm studying it. I'm learning about it. I've listened to some podcasts with some doctors, some experts, and I'm not really sure. Anyone listening would go, where to do your work? Like, way to check that out. Made to put your health first. You know, pharma, you can't always trust them. That's actually true. Mm -hmm. the largest finds in industry, you know, like you look at it. And they used to be the least trusted industry. And now Pfizer and Moderna are two of the highest trusted, which that shows you, like, you couldn't plan any of this, although you could plan yeah. all. The other side of it that I think, as you said about how does the background and relationships help? Well, I think recognizing when you are feeling destabilized, like you know what is true, but someone's telling you that's not true. But you're like, no, that's, f I know for a fucking fact that's true. That's what people in abusive relationships do. Narcissists, abusers, is they they shatter someone's reality. They destabilize it. But I saw on my, on your phone. No, you didn't. Oh, you know what? You're such a nosy little bitch. You know, like they start to do that kind of thing. And that happened to us on a collective level. And so what it does is it starts to make us feel like we're living in a world where the truth isn't real. Mm -hmm. And collectively, because of our silence, generally, we're agreeing that the truth isn't real. And so we are all living in this world where we're like, yeah, I mean, masks don't work, but we should just wear them. Do your part. Oh yeah, that doesn't. And so if you speak out, this is again, a brilliant part of the public health strategy. If you speak out, you actually risk belonging to your family, belonging to your relationship, belonging. So just seeing all of that, you know, the immense psychological cost. I say all of this with so much compassion because mm -hmm. the person who is like, you can't come to Thanksgiving, you're unvaccinated. That person is so afraid and that's been so manipulated and exploited that they're willing 
to not allow their son, their daughter, their sister, their parent to, to actually come to a family. So they've split families. And that is so painful. It's not just painful for the people not being invited, which of course is. It's also painful for the people whose fear has been so hijacked. You know, and what I've never liked is the language that's like, you're a sheep, you're an anti-vaxxer. It's all the same thing. It's much like how Democrats are liberals and Republicans or conservatives really become in their extremes, become the same. They're both intolerant. Yeah. And the protective mechanism that I've seen so much used in the last two years, especially, especially from more the left. And I would have identified, I'm a lifelong, I lived in Vancouver. You're not even allowed to be conservative. Yeah, me too. <laughs> now I'm politically homeless because I look at both sides and I go, you're both like the fars, the far extremes are both crazy. But the thing that really protects, and this has been true of what they've taught people, that protects the ideologies that have been, that aren't allowed to be criticized is righteousness. And that's being able to say, but I did my part. I'm a good person. And humans, you know, inherently we believe we are good and that's good. That's a great thing, but that can be exploited. And then what it does is it creates virtuosity. And I think everyone has seen in the last, and this isn't shaming anyone. I just want to point out the behavior the taking the picture with the vaccine, the putting the Ukrainian flag on your, again, not, I'm not judging those things. I'm just saying that often what we're trying to do is present to the world that we are a good person. Anyone who knows they're a good person deep down doesn't have to tell the world they're a good person. And so there's like an insecurity that's inherent in it. And I interviewed this social psychologist who studies morality. Her name's Court Clark and she studies at UPenn. And she was saying that in the research on virtuosity, there's a, there's a few studies that show that people who present or identify as virtuous, I'm a good person, are more likely to lie. And she said that, you know, theoretically what might be behind that behavior or what it is, is that they're more concerned with appearing virtuous than being virtuous. And so would a virtuous person yell at a person for not wearing a mask? Of course not, but you see that. And so the background in relationships has been really helpful and unfortunately informing. And I mean, you can't pretend you don't know what you know. And I think that's true of everyone. I think everyone can look at the last two to three years, especially with cancel culture and everything and say, we're not really at a healthy place right now, you know? How has it affected you personally with your mission and create the love and, and, you know, that path, like, have you, how are you doing now and how much pushback and how much bullshit have you had to personally move through, you know, with haters and this and that. And I guess how many people have like gravitated towards you now, even more, I'm curious to know how that, how that's worked out for you. Oh man, it's been an adventure. I'd say that I've really had to heal or continue to heal. I don't want to say I'm done because then the universe is going to give me a couple bitch slaps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I true. To heal collective codependency, which is this fear that if I speak out, I won't be loved. But to know that in speaking out, I am being loving. You know, I was listening to Martha Beck's book, The Way of Integrity, and she 
she left the Mormon church and spoke out about the church. And one of her greatest fears is that something bad was going to happen to her. And I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Byron Katie, the work. Yeah. yeah. So she did Byron Katie's the work and for anyone listening, loving what is a, is a fantastic book from Byron Katie. And one of the questions or one of the things you do is you flip the belief you have something bad's going to happen to me. And when she flipped it, it became, I'm going to happen to something bad. And I loved that reorientation because I had this fear of like, I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to, but to be honest, I, you know, I've, for my, since probably my late 20s, I've really had a, a deep commitment to fighting against a lack of fairness, to fighting against things that aren't healthy, that are corrupt, that, you know, like the, the world of relationship and what we've been taught about relationship, for the most part, is kind of bullshit. You know, like we're not taught how to be in healthy connection. And so that revel rebellion or revolution that I loved and participated in and still do, it just sort of fed this, which was, it's, this was just bigger, you know? I faced a lot of pushback, a ton at first. And then I tried to separate them. I tried to separate, create the love. And I started another Instagram, Instagram yeah. account called A Smart Groves, which in one way was really good because I could, some people do want like the studies I share and the things that, cause I go much more in depth. It's, yeah. it's not sort of with the other things on how to communicate great. But I, what I found really fascinating about that experience and painful is look like I lost friendships. I had at least temporarily, I had people shame me who I love. I had people who wouldn't hug me because I wasn't vaccinated, even though I was in good health. So. I mean, it's been really tough and I wouldn't change a thing. It's worth it completely because I will never live in a world where I have a voice and I don't use it. It's just not, I would die. You know, I knew that if I didn't speak up, I'd get sick. And the other kind of crazy thing is that I had this awareness that in creating both accounts, I sort of became the division I was trying to fight. Also, I was angry. So a lot of the energy of some of the things I was saying were divisive themselves because I was enraged. I was enraged and I was trying to keep it collected and, and, and deliverable, but I couldn't help it. I was enraged at Justin Trudeau for what he represented. I'm still moderately angry at him. I'm, I'm angry at Omar Agalbra or however you say his last name. I can't stand the righteousness and laughing that Christy Freeland does. But I also have to remember that I can't let them steal my peace. You're also so human too. And I think you did a fantastic job, bro, with your videos. Like, I just want to honestly, like you, man, we're human. Like we're fucking going through this and to be able to just have the courage to make those videos in the first place, man, you know, how, how what's the perfect way to do it is not. There, yeah, there isn't. Right? It's like you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna upset somebody. Yeah, right? you're gonna, you're gonna, somebody's gonna push back, no matter what, right? And man, it's been an emotional roller coaster, like to say the least. But at it least you're, at least you're standing up for it, you know. Well, I think like, what kind of future do we want to create? Like, why did our ancestors, you know, in, in the most recent, like, fight for liberation, mm. you know? 
I just think of like, if I was talking to my great grandparents, you know, they'd be like, you privileged little prick. Like you're going to be silent right now. Yeah. You know, like why did my immigrant grandparents on, and my mom who's an immigrant, why did people suffer to get us to this place? You know? And if you look at all of human history, it is always the people who are not the top 1% fighting against the top 1% to meet their needs and create the world and take care of it. Like, Think about the nine to five job, the working in fields. It was always to take care of the people who are at the top. And I think there's a very large, important conversation happening about globalism now. Look, I don't, I don't get lost down conspiracy trains, but I also live in a world where everything's possible. And I can't help but think on some level, one of the deepest intentions of using this fear campaign to put in apps like ArriveCan is to digitize us, to move us to digital passports, digital IDs. That way they could track everybody and everything. And that's really beneficial. I mean, now some people, but certainly a lot of people know about the World Economic Forum and their impact on globalization and governments. I mean, you look at all the countries that were the most locked down, they're oddly commonwealths generally, and their leaders were in the young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Again, I don't get lost down the conspiracy of that, but I also don't live in a world where I deny those connections. Mm -hmm. And I think we can often get overwhelmed with the possibilities. And I think it's important that we are very discerning about what information we take in. And do we spend time on social media? Do we watch the news? Because otherwise we'll just fry our nervous systems, you know? How have you handled it for the last couple of years? Man, I've gone in waves, you know, those, you know, that meme, it's like, what stage are you in? You know, the, the one to six yeah. <laughs> the pictures, dude, honestly, memes, memes have helped me a lot during this shit. <laughs> you are so great. Like just I think laughing. the internet is just so clever. The internet is so clever. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's been... You know, from, from day one, I remember, you know, talking with kid and he's sending me videos, you know, back in 2020 in April, like just the wildest, you know, I, I went down the QAnon thing. I watched all that crap and, you know, oh, like yeah. literally I've literally gone through all of it. Like, and I've just realized now I'm the same as you, bro. I'm like, I'm in the middle. I think either side is, you know, too extreme, but like for me now, I've realized that my energy is valuable and I need to conserve where I, where I put my focus because I can't, I've realized I can't serve the people I want to serve if I'm constantly focusing on, you know, the negative shit over and over and over again and going down these rabbit holes. I'm like, okay, I know enough. I know enough of what's going on here, but like, how can I, you know, how can I help people give them the tools to get through this crazy shit, you know, right. and actually have solutions versus like, you know, just beating it to death. And there's, there's days where I'm like, man, I feel like I got to say more or, 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 or bring more awareness. And I do, but then there's times I'm like, okay, I think, I think I want to focus more on, on helping people 
get through it with some yeah. with some stuff. So it's been tough, man. It's been really yeah. emotionally draining and dealing with you know family and and just the whole conversation and but it's 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 helped me grow i guess if i had to look at it it's it's been you know it's it's been one of these things that it's really it's really shone a light on a lot of people and their character and their integrity and it's like what they stand for and you know it's yeah you i've learned a lot about people as you probably have too yeah definitely collectivism which collectivism is a really important for communities. It's just collectivism at the cost of individual. You know, it's the exact same in relationship. Most people have a problem where they lose themselves at the cost of the relationship or they lose the relationship for themselves. So they don't know how to balance sovereignty and togetherness. And I think that's that's a very delicate balance because, you know, where where does, you know, the real argument was made well, if you don't take this thing, then you might make me sick. And it's like, but wait, you took the thing and it doesn't prevent transmission. Like that was such a log. You had to do so much mental gymnastics to even have a conversation with someone who couldn't make that make sense. But that shows you, it's like, you have to just exit that conversation because there's no use. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the Milgram experiment where they show different lengths of lines and you know they have shorter and longer lines and then they have a group of people and some of them are actors and they say which line is the shortest i can't remember if it's shortest or longest doesn't matter and the actors go that one but it's clearly not that one like it's so obvious like but what they see is that that collective group saying that line's longer influences people who are like how the fuck how do you think that's no But they eventually, most of them actually agree because of the pressure. Right. And so we need to write, like the more people that speak up is how you find each other, but it's also how you find courage is like, you're like, oh, I'm not the only one, which really what's going on is we're making a negotiation. My social risk is lower because these other people have spoken up. And so- you know, this one of the main solutions is to actually start to use your voice. And it can simply be, I'm not okay with how some of this has been done. Mm-hmm. And you can easily start with lockdowns. They never had scientific data. They were never supported by data. They never were. They don't really make sense from a, a, a transmission point of view either. And they didn't work and they harmed tons of people. And people were speaking out at the beginning but there was a collective effort to silence the experts from the Great Barrington Declaration. There's released emails from the NIH saying from Francis Collins, we need a massive takedown, public takedown of these physicians. Not, hey, we should maybe be curious as to why some of the world's best epidemiologists and public health officials are actually not okay with lockdowns and they have a different solution but instead they silence them. And whenever you silence dissent, which is true of relationships too, as Jonathan Haidt would say, everybody becomes more stupid because what's beyond disagreement is actually a deeper truth for everybody. And, you know, we've really made a, this interesting effort in the last two years, but it's certainly been around for the last eight, 10 to, 
to just not have dialogue. We don't know how to, we can't. If someone criticizes something, they're seen as against that thing rather than, hey, maybe we could do this differently or better. And you see that about very sensitive topics like the trans movement, you know? These are all very tough things to navigate because if you have conversations about them, you'll often get canceled or attempted. Someone will get on there and they'll be cyberbullying. So, I mean, the internet's one of the greatest things ever in human history, but it's also, if you don't dance in it, you know, and choose whether you enter it and exit it, you'll get lost in it. And it's incredibly toxic too, like anything, you know? Yeah, I've had to pull back and give myself limits. Yeah. Boundaries. Like I've, you know, days where I just delete Instagram altogether. I'm just like, man, I just, I don't have, it's, it's a lost. It's a siphon of, of potential. You know, I had this awareness, it'd be about a year ago that I just all of a sudden felt it like, oh, wow. Like these social media companies are exploiting and extracting from everybody who's on there and especially content creators, Mm. you know, you become like, you get rewarded for creating certain types of content, which might not be the kind of content you actually want to create. And so what happens is, is you start to dance for the reach. And so you become a conduit of extraction because how they extract attention from people is by getting the most addictive content on the platform. And so they turn down the volume on anyone who's actually doing something from an authentic, space. And I'm not saying dancing, pointing videos can't be authentic. It certainly can. But for the most part, people don't want to point at shit while music's playing. They want to talk about things. They want to do a written post. But Instagram has really, and Facebook did this previously, they just become extractive because really they make money from attention. And there are literally teams, hundreds and hundreds of of psychologists Mm. who are trained and learning how to do that best constantly. We don't stand a chance against that. No, not till we actually say, where's my attention going? And I don't say that from a pulpit. I say that from like student in it too, because has our biology ever had anything like this ever? No, no, definitely not. Yeah, I think about that. I'm like, man, these phones and just the amount of hours our eyeballs are on screens and why in my report i'm like that's a job (laughs) you know like it's it's crazy it's crazy stuff i wanted to ask you i kind of want to just do a quick pivot into like relationships stuff because you know there's a lot of people that i have known over the years that have got tremendous value from what you share about relationships of all kinds and i've always really i've always really respected that and you know because i'm trying to learn too like i think relationships is always like a work in progress the more you heal yourself the more you know you you you, the more you love yourself the more you can love somebody else but you know why did you choose that like what is what was the reason for getting out of the pharmaceutical and into relationships and I'm curious as to like, how did you get your heart broken a couple times? Like, I, I kind of want to learn about how you became so good at, at relationships in general and giving advice to other people. Well, my, 
job as a rep, I was obsessed with how to manipulate human behavior. I was obsessed with like how to build relationship, how to use relationship to influence choice and behavior like sales. I mean, that's what sales is. Mm. And I would study it. I'd learn all about it. I have a consulting program I used to teach and still can teach on the science of influence that now it just involves a lot more data about romantic relationships. So they come for the science of influence, but they get actually data on how to improve their relationships. Because listen, if you're good at romantic relationships, you'll be good at every relationship because it's really a magnifying glass to our bullshit and our opportunities for growth and where we struggle and where we're not yet liberated. And it was in my late 20s that I went through an engagement that ended and when it ended, I was just like, wow, how did I get here? How did I get to this place where I feel so disconnected from my, where I felt so disconnected from myself and in the choice of dissolving the engagement, which was with a really incredible woman, that was very conflicting because why did I not want to marry this incredible woman? There was just something in the way. There was something, you know, that I, I just didn't want to, I couldn't. And that was the first time that I ever really thought about like, why do I do what I do? Like, how did I get here? Why would I do something I didn't want to do? That makes no sense to me. Why do relationships last? Why don't they? Why do people stay together and hate each other? Why, when I end a relationship, am I socially seen, not by everybody, but often and societally as a failure, even though I feel more connected to myself than I ever have? That was a strange paradox to be in. Like, I feel more connected to me, but other people think I've failed. What? This is the definition of success to be connected to oneself and truth. And, and so that made me start to study relationships, just want to understand them. That background in loving reading clinical data, loving reading trials, loving reading science led to me starting to read science of relationships. And I realized there wasn't really a large public forum talking about it. And I felt like I'd been lied to the majority of my life. I grew up Catholic. You know, in the story, I think for most people culturally or religiously, they're often synonymous, is get married by a certain age, have kids by a certain age. And if you don't do those things, we self-identify because culturally we're told there must be something wrong with you. Like if you're single, people go, hey, why are you single? Mm, As if yeah. you have an ailment or you just can't find someone. Because we, we see that being in a relationship is somehow validating of the worth of the person being chosen as opposed to your worth just is. And if you start to seek relationship to get worthiness, then when they leave, you'll be left feeling unworthy, right? It will always be hinging on staying together. And so you just see all the cultural momentum that creates that, not to mention the wedding industry is a massive industry, so is the divorce industry. So all of that to say, I went back to school, I studied positive psychology. I started to write about what I was learning in my own life. I just started to write from my own experience. I had a blog that did well. And then I, at the same time, learned about coaching, started to coach people. I left my job and I started my Instagram, I think like right before I left my job, four months before. And that was in, I think, December, 2013, maybe 2014, wow. I can't even remember. Yeah. And it was. It was actually a breakup that led to me starting Instagram because the woman I was dating was a social media manager 
and for different companies. And she was like, you should start an Instagram. And I'm like, what's that? And then I looked at it, we broke up and I just started writing. I'd post a quote and I'd write about the quote and people would go, oh, you can't write long form on Instagram. And I'm like, you know, I've been told my whole life how the fuck I have to be like, fuck off, you know? And then I think that just stays true to today too. It's like, you've got to stay in this box and you've got to talk about just this thing because that's my expectation of you. And it's like, I'm going to have to keep failing people and keep shattering expectations. And we all have to do that because otherwise we'll live a life based on other people's agreements of who we are. And we won't have a say and we won't like what they come up with. So we have to have a say. We have to be the creator of that. So that's the the birth of it was actually a breakup. And I think that's true for a lot of people. We sort of find our mission based on our, you know, struggles, which I think is a beautiful thing about humanity. Love it. A friend of mine reached out and she said that something that you said completely changed her perspective and that started her healing journey. And there's a question that she said that I want to ask you, because I think it, it relates to a lot of people that have done work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, how do you begin to reintegrate back into dating when all of your relating patterns have changed for the better? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, listen, the work isn't done until you're doing it in the actual gym, you know, when you're actually, because it, you know, so much of our challenges is maintaining our own needs and identity when we're in relationship with someone else. Our wounds occur in relationship, all of them, and that's where they get healed. So, you know, we can kind of have our poop in a group as a single person and we're like, Hey, I got my shit together. This is great. You get on an app, you start swiping, someone doesn't message you back or blocks you. And you're like, your world fucking melts. <laughs> and you realize you don't because till you actually see the evidence of your new behaviors, they're theoretical. And like the hardest people to set boundaries with when we're boundaryless are usually the people who originally violated them and didn't teach it. So like a parent usually is one of the hardest, but a romantic partner too, because we're afraid if I set this boundary, I'll lose this person. But really what you do is gain yourself and gain a relationship that's reflective of a shared value or a shared behavior. So how do you do it? I mean, you courageously sort, sort of trepidatiously step into it. I think cold plunging is a great example of what that is, which it increases your capacity to be aware because your body goes, I'm going to die when you're in cold water, cold showers, but you're not going to die. You're actually safe. So you begin to observe your response without actually running away. And so you just become an observer of your somatic experience. And we need to learn how to do that in relationship. So you know, I think people need to see dating not as this, you know, I used to see it this way. You like start dating someone and, you know, you're going on a couple of dates and you're like, I guess I'm marrying this person, you know, like, you know, I think that's something we've just been taught. If you start dating someone, then it's for life now. And what that does is it doesn't allow us to be discerning. You know, we think as soon as we sort of have a tingle with someone, we're like, they're the one. That's case closed. But that identity or that like labeling doesn't allow us to then be like, are they? And especially if we go tell all our friends, I met my future person, blah, blah, blah. 
And then all of a sudden you start to see the red flags and you're like, ah, fuck, I told everybody that this is my future person. And so we experience the potential shame of, of actually choosing ourselves. So a great way to do it is one, to see dating as a really exploratory growth oriented process. That is you actually healing in real time, but also getting to see how powerful you really are. That if, and get to observe, where do I let things go because I experience scarcity? Allow someone to become the one. You know, and I see so often someone's like, well, they don't want what I want, but they're my person. And you're like, the qualifier of your person is that they want what you want. That's actually a qualifier. Your person, you don't have to convince to be your person. Your person isn't unavailable. Your person doesn't ghost you for a week. Your person's not a prick, right? Like, it's, so it's a beautiful journey. If you start to see it as fun and an exploration, and that your future husband, wife, person, partner doesn't live in every decision. Like even if you lose someone because you lay a boundary or express a need, it's actually proving evidence to move you towards the person who's actually a match for you because you're no longer wasting time with someone who's from an old pattern. Mm. I could relate with that question so much and is such a beautiful answer, bro. Thank you. It's, you know, getting in, it, it's funny when you do this, the personal development work. Oh yeah, I've done ayahuasca. I've done all the things. And then, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I'm all healed. And then you get into it and you meet somebody and they trigger you like the little boy wounds. I'm like, fuck, oh. I thought I healed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Which what a beautiful thing, right? We yeah. think, Right. We often think, which I've certainly done it like, fuck, that thing's coming up. Yeah. You know, as opposed to thank you. Yeah. The work's not done. The work's not done. The work's not done. And, you know, it's a, that's why dating is actually such a beautiful opportunity to see where you still place your worth, where you still suffer, where you still don't express, where you still don't lay boundaries. And, and so it's a, I mean, it's a great process. And it can be so fun if we see it that way. Yeah. I've also wondered about myself too. As I've healed more, I've wondered, you know, I meet such beautiful women and I'm like, why, wh wh why am I not, why am I not wanting that? Like five years ago when I was, you know, more wounded, I would have jumped on that in a second. But I right. found myself, I'm like, if this this beautiful woman, if this isn't someone that I want right now, like what's wrong with me? Like, what the fuck? Right. Like, how can, how can anybody? And I start to wonder, I'm like, you know, cause you live your life as a guy, you want, you want an attractive woman. And when you have them, you have the opportunity and it's not, you don't have that pull. It's like, well, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to come? Well, you see that you start on an energetic level, you're being more discerning. So like where, you know, in my late twenties, thirties, a beautiful woman would have been the, okay, well, green is go. Let's, <laughs> yeah. But you, you realize that there's so much beyond beauty as a necessity, whether it's male or female or anything that we start to see the values at the end of the day, shared values are going to be more important than anything. It can't, I'm not saying that attraction isn't important, but when our old pattern is to let's say be attracted to the superficial at the cost of the depth and you know you certainly can get whatever you want to be attracted to but 
when you're repatterning unhealthy attraction or where you used to place your energy, it will often also not feel attractive. Like a good person might, if you're used to chaos, will be totally different to you. Like you won't want it. And you, if you're really living in your integrity, you know that fleeting romances, if you're seeking partnership, are actually distracting you from creating partnership, then you're going to just start to pick that up on an energetic level. But think about looking at that from what's wrong with me that I don't want to be with this beautiful woman to, wow, like how brilliant is my body that it's picking that up and what evidence of the work I've done, you know, because if, if attraction or the person we're meant to be with was only about desire, we'd end up in some pretty bad relationships, let's be honest. Yeah. So what a beautiful thing that you're more embodied in your discernment of your partner choice. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, bro. This, uh, what a great conversation. Thank you for coming on the show, man, and dropping so much value. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. I know I did some long rants there. No, it's good. I I was like, I, I really wanted to, I was like, how the fuck are we going to like talk about both things? I really wanted to talk about both. And I think, yeah. I, think I, I, you know, because I respect, I respect you so much as a, a leader in the space. And I know I had a lot of people really excited to have you on. And I just, yeah, dude, really, truly grateful for taking the time and coming on the show. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for trusting me with your audience. And I really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure, pleasure to get to chat with you. If you had one piece of advice to leave listeners with right now, what would you say? Learn yourself. Learn everything about yourself. Create the habits, rituals, and behaviors that would mean that you are in a relationship that is sacred with yourself. And, you know, Pima Chodron talks about this principle of Maitri, which is from Buddhism, I believe. And it's this idea of not just self-love, like not bubble baths and chocolate and massages and all those beautiful things. It's about actually being best friends with yourself. And when we can treat our own relationship with ourselves as sacred, which means the choices we make, the behaviors we have, the way we speak, the way we think, then we will not allow anything in our lives that disturbs what is sacred. And we will honor and invite others and respect their desire to be sacred with themselves too. And so what ends up happening is relationships that are really based on that. And relationships are sacred and the connection between us and other, when seen as sacred, makes us orient towards the connection in such a different way. So, and, you know, I, I say to people like, you might've come to my work for relationship, but inevitably what you always find is yourself. Mm. Beautiful. Where can everybody find you and learn more about you? I know your Instagram and all that. Are you working on anything else that people can check out? Yeah. So yeah, you can go to, createthelove.com. That's where all my courses are. You can go to create love on my Instagram and it's Mark Groves if you want a heavier dose of what we first spoke about. And I have an app that's called Mind. That name's going to change soon, but I have an app called Mind, M-I-N-E. 
apostrophe D. So it's just doyoumind.com. So spelled M-I-N-E-D. And that is a space where there's relational and emotional health experts teaching. And it's a really, I mean, there's like 1100 classes that people can take and it's just 15 bucks a month. So it's, it's pretty great. Awesome. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Go check out Mark's amazing programs that he's got going on. He's got all kinds of courses to offer you. Go over to his Instagram, create the love. And also he's got another Instagram, Mark Groves. Follow his stuff. He's got a ton of information, a ton of different um, programs for you that you could take advantage of to get involved in his world. So if you guys got value from this, share it with somebody who needs it. And if you can leave us a five-star review on, on, on Apple, sorry, not Amazon. I'm used to saying that for the book. Leave us a five-star review on Apple if you feel called to do so. And also, if you haven't grabbed a copy of Mastering Adversity, my new book, it's all available. Go grab a copy and uh, you'll be happy you did. All right, everybody. Take care. Much love.